Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I want to thank the, uh, the men that are part of our security team here at church. It's, 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 it's sad that you churches need to do that these days, but you know I want to assure you that even though we don't say a lot about it, they are doing their job. They are doing their job right now, monitoring through our video system and patrolling the grounds and here in the auditorium and about. And I don't know about you, that gives me great comfort in, in, in knowing that. So I appreciate those men. I appreciate Brother Casey uh, Pullum. If you're visiting, he's a conservation officer, and uh, he heads up our security team. And I had uh, the privilege of being a part of one of their training sessions this past Wednesday night, and they, they are in constant training to make sure that they're equipped to handle all situations. By the way, you know, when we think about security, we always think about the worst-case scenario, but, but security involves other things, too. In fact, it's more likely to involve other things, thankfully, but, but things come up. You, you know, sometimes uh, marriage disputes can carry over into the church, and somebody's showing up wanting to pick a fight with their spouse or, or whatever, so it's not always what you might sadly think of these days, but there, there's lots of things that can come up, kids wandering off when they shouldn't be and what have you, so uh, I appreciate, you know, what they do and how they serve and all the many things that they are equipped to deal with, medical emergencies and what have you, uh, we got it covered, so I'm grateful to those uh, men that give their time to, to do that. We're starting a brand new series this morning, Family Values, the Cultivation of Biblical Virtue in the Home. We're going to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but I also want to emphasize one more time, your family may be grown. You you may be a widow, you may be a widower, you just may be a single individual. Listen, these virtues are important to you as well. So while I'm going to be talking about, you know, the home and teaching, you know, these virtues to children, you need to be thinking, if your children are grown or if you don't have any children, you need to be thinking, am I living these virtues myself? Am I being an example to my grown kids or to my grandchildren of these virtues? So the cultivation a biblical virtue in the home. We're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, not suggest that I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently, not haphazardly, not when it's convenient, but on purpose, diligently unto thy children. How often? Well, you shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The Word of God is to permeate our lives all day, every day, and those with children 
are to be conscious of the fact that you're to do this every day with great intentionality, not leaving it to chance. And in verses 8 and 9, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and thy gates. This morning we're going to begin talking about family values, cultivating biblical virtue in our homes. I want to start with a story. And you might wonder, how are these, really it's two stories, and you're going to wonder, how are these two stories related? They're related in a very significant way. You like stories? Everybody likes stories. Let's start with a story this morning. I'm just going to read it to you. It's about Al Capone and Easy Eddie. By the way, these are true stories, okay? At first, I didn't know if this was true. You know, on the internet, you got to check things. Then I come to find out, no, no, this is very true. This, this really happened as I'm going to read it to you. And it is related to what we're talking about. <clears throat> Many years ago, Al Capone virtually owned Chicago. Capone wasn't famous for anything heroic. He was notorious for enmeshing the Windy City in everything from bootlegged booze and prostitution to murder. Capone had a lawyer named Easy Eddie. He was Capone's lawyer for a good reason. Eddie was very good. In fact, Eddie's skill at legal maneuvering kept Big Al out of jail for a very long time. Now, to show his appreciation, Capone paid Easy Eddie very well. Not only was the money big, But Eddie got special dividends as well. For instance, he and his family occupied a fenced-in mansion with live-in help and all the conveniences of the day. The estate was so large that it filled an entire Chicago city block. Eddie lived the high life of the Chicago mob and gave little consideration to the atrocity that went on around him. Eddie, however, did have one soft spot. He had a son, a son that he loved dearly. Eddie saw to it that his young son had clothes, cars, and a good education. Nothing was withheld. Price, no object. And despite his involvement with organized crime, Eddie even tried. He tried, nonetheless, to teach his son right from wrong. Eddie wanted his son to be a better better man than he was. Eddie was feeling some guilt. Yet with all his wealth and influence, there were two things he couldn't give his son. He couldn't pass on a good name or a good example. He couldn't give his son virtues. One day, Easy Eddie reached a difficult decision. Easy Eddie wanted to rectify the wrongs he had done. He decided he would go to the authorities and tell them the truth about Al Capone, clean up his tarnished name, and offer his son a semblance of virtue. To do this, he would have to testify against the mob. And he knew the cost could be great. But he testified anyway. Within the year, Easy Eddie's life ended 
in a blaze of gunfire on a lonely Chicago street. But in his eyes, he had given his son the greatest gift he had to offer at the greatest price he could ever pay. Easy Eddie wanted to do the right thing for his son. Easy Eddie got under conviction and determined even at risk of his life, he would turn his life around and do the right thing. Now the second story, related. Butch O'Hare. World War II produced many heroes. One such man was Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. He was a fighter pilot assigned to the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific. One day his entire squadron was sent on a mission. After he was airborne, he looked at his fuel gauge and realized that someone had forgotten to top off his fuel tank. He would not have enough fuel to complete his mission and get back to his ship. His flight leader told him to return to the carrier. Reluctantly, he dropped out of formation and headed back to the fleet. And again, this is a true story. As he was returning to the mothership, he saw something that turned his blood cold. A squadron of Japanese aircraft was speeding its way towards the American fleet. The American flight, the American fighters were gone on a sortie, and the fleet was all but defenseless. He couldn't reach his squadron and bring them back in time to save the fleet, nor could he warn the fleet of the approaching danger. There was only one thing to do. He must somehow divert them from the fleet. Laying aside all thoughts of personal safety, he dove into the formation of Japanese planes. Wing-mounted 50 calibers blazed as he charged in, attacking one surprise enemy plane and then another. Butch O'Hare wove in and out of the now broken formation and fired, as many plane, fired at as many planes as possible until the ammunition was finally spent. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove at the planes, trying to clip a wing or tail in hopes of damaging as many planes as possible rendering them unfit to fly. Finally, the exasperated Japanese squadron took off in another direction. Deeply relieved, Butch O'Hare and his tattered fighter limped back to the carrier. Upon arrival, he reported in and related the events surrounding his return. The film from the gun camera mounted on his plane told the tale. It showed the extent of Butch's daring attempt to protect his fleet. He had, in fact, destroyed five enemy aircraft. This took place on February 20th, 1942. And for that action, Butch became the Navy's first ace of World War II and the first naval aviator to win the Medal of Honor. Sadly, a year later, Butch was killed in aerial combat at the age of 29. His hometown, Chicago, would not allow the memory of the World War II hero to fade. And today... O'Hare Airport in Chicago is named in tribute to the courage of Butch O'Hare. So the next time you find yourself at O'Hare International, give some thought to visiting Butch's memorial displaying his statue and his Medal of Honor, its location between Terminals 1 and 2. So what do these two stories have to do with each other? And virtue, Butch O'Hare was Eddie O'Hare's son. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a great story? It cost him his life, 
But the dad turned his life around and inspired his son to courage and valor. And now when we talk about O'Hare Airport, which the name never meant anything to me, it means a lot now. And should I ever be at O'Hare Airport, and I, if I have the time, I will sure look between Terminals 1 and 2 for that statue and for that Medal of Honor. Such is the influence of a parent on a child, as God intended it to be. The most important work, here's a great quote, you and I or any parent will ever do will be within the four walls of our own homes. Let that sink in for a second. We are all very busy with our careers, with trying to make a living, and that certainly is important. But the greatest work any one parent will ever do in their life is within the walls of their homes. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we started this morning, you know, emphasizes that, proves that statement true. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, parents are told to have God's Word in their heart and then to put God's Word in their children's heart because God's Word in their hearts will establish values and virtues. One of the most important things a parent will do in his or her life is to instill values and instill virtues into their children's hearts. And one of the greatest mistakes any parent could make, contrary-wise, would be not to do that. In a ministry of mine that has spanned, I guess, close to 40 years now, you meet with a lot of people and you do a lot of counseling. And I can't tell you how many adults I'm dealing with today are suffering because of serious omissions of their parents. And I can't tell you how many young people I know today, or excuse me, adults I know today, that are benefiting from the blessings of good, godly parents. Family values and virtues from God's Word will definitely underpin a happy and a blessed home. Biblical values and the virtues we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks will, in a home, here's how important it is, it will provide an environment of trust and respect, appreciation, and love. That's the benefits that come from a home that is known for its virtue rather than its vice. Some homes are known for anger and lying and distrust and suspicion. But thankfully, there are homes that are known for the virtues instilled within that family that will, in that home, breed an atmosphere of trust and respect and appreciation and love. Take note of this. The absence of values and virtues breeds contempt and promotes disharmony in a home. Whereas the presence of values and virtues are the foundations of harmony and unity. Now, you're not going to get this outside of a Bible-preaching church. 
Talk to liberal politicians. Talk to liberal movie stars, liberal athletes or whatever. They don't have a clue about virtue. I guarantee you they can't even tell you what virtue is. A number of years ago, there was a group commissioned by the government to uh, study the family. And that group couldn't even agree with what a family is. Do you remember that? Any of you remember that? They couldn't even agree what a family is. So how are you going to talk about family virtues? Understand the importance of this. We're talking about family values. We're talking about virtues. A couple definitions from the dictionary. Family values. What are we talking about? Well, values especially of a traditional or conservative kind, this is according to the dictionary, which are held to promote the sound functioning of the family and to strengthen the fabric of society. That would be family values. Virtues, very similar. Virtue, by definition, is the moral excellence of a person. A morally excellent person has a character made up of virtues valued as good. And when you think about it, I should have this as a quote on the board so you can see it. I don't, but I would encourage you to write this down. Very simply, Christian values and virtues are a reflection of God in us. That's what it is. That's why so many homes are lacking. Christian values and virtues are a reflection of God in us. And according, now think about it, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where the Lord instructs the children of Israel, you know, you, you teach God's word, you know, when they get up, when they lie down, whatever they do, understand these, these values and virtues, according to Scripture, we can deduce, don't develop on their own. Values and virtues must be intentionally planted and nurtured in the hearts of children by their parents. Values and virtues can't be left to chance. Because I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you just mentioned the dysfunctional family and what have you, and you just mentioned the families where there's love and respect. And some of you would conclude some families are lucky and some families are not. Nothing could be further from the truth. Don't you dare think that, that some families are lucky and some families are not. That kind of gets you off the hook, doesn't it? That's, where, that's why you come. That's why you've been taught that. No, it's intentionality. There are families that are intentional about teaching virtues. There are families that are intentional about values. And there are some families that are clueless. Selfish. Ignorant. I don't mean that in an ugly way. I just mean that in a, in a factual way. They're just, they're just, they don't know. Christian values are a reflection of God in us. And God had to tell the Hebrew children, because our nature is to lean more towards sin than it is towards virtue, because we have the world pulling us in that direction, we have Satan pulling us in that direction, we have our flesh pulling us in that direction, covered all that last Wednesday night. So left to ourselves, we're just, it's just easy to slide into vice. And the Lord knows that. So he tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, look, teach them. You know, make sure you possess it and make sure you teach them so you're, you're, you're working against all that's going to that's gonna pull you down and work towards that that is going to lift you up. And I believe in the home, it should start with dad. Dads need to take the lead role. You say, well, I wasn't, I wasn't 
brought up in a home like that. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. Well, guess what? God's been good to you. If you're here this morning, you're saved, then start a whole new trend. You know, start from scratch. Don't make the same mistake. And moms should be enthusiastically supportive. Very quick this morning. Let's examine the first three virtues that we're going to look at. This morning, very quickly, we're going to look at humility, which is a virtue, honesty, which is a virtue, and integrity, which is a virtue. Number one, this virtue ought to be appreciated, modeled, and taught in your home. Humility. What's the definition of humility? Freedom from pride or arrogance. The quality or state of being humble. I love this quote. Pride is concerned with who is right. That's why there's so much fighting in a home because, you know, everybody's want to be right. Nobody wants to give in. Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. I love that. Too many families are fighting over who is right rather than seeking God's word together to find out what is right. You embrace that in your home, you've just changed your home in a huge way for the betterment of everyone in that home. Proverbs 22.4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. By humility. Now this world, our flesh, and Satan will try to convince you that you need to do life your way on your terms. The Bible says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. One of the best Bible examples of a man filled with humility was Moses. Numbers 12.3, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. I mean, everybody knows the name Moses. And it's not because he was proud and egotistical. You know the name Moses and the the good that you associate and affiliate with that name because he was a humble man. Remember when God called him to lead the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt to the promised land? When God appeared to Moses and he said, Moses, you're the man. I've chosen you. You're going to lead all these millions of people out and they're going to follow you. Moses did not say, yes, what are the perks with that? Do I get a car with a driver? You know, what are the, no. he said, no, no, Lord, no, 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 no. You got the wrong, remember? I mean, what is he demonstrating? He's demonstrating humility. Most people would say, you, you mean I'm going to be number one? I get to make the decisions? I'm going to have waiters and waitresses and people that will take care of me and all the perks? That's the way most people would think in our culture. No, you know about Moses because only when Moses got to that point could God use him. And God said, you're the man. There's so many benefits to humility. You ever think about the practical benefits that come with being humble? Let me give you three. Humility gives you a teachable spirit for personal growth. I mean, people that know it all never grow. Because they know it all. They don't, they don't need any kind of financial cla- uh, class. They don't need any marital counseling. They don't need Sunday school. They don't need Wednesday night. Certainly Sunday afternoon. I got this. 
if you got it, you're going to stay right where you are. A humble person says, teach me. There's a class. I can learn that. I'm in. There's a Sunday school class. Part of, I am in. Humility helps you in your personal growth. To be a better person, to be a better father, husband, child, citizen. Number two, humility gives you peace of mind. How is that? Because you're not trying to live up to some image that you've established for yourself. To try to make somebody think that you are so good. You got it all together. And you, you present that image, you, you come across as proud and, and, and arrogant, you, then you, you, you're trying to live up to that, and that's a miserable life to live. And then number three, humility gives you respect and appreciation. Nobody, but nobody, is drawn to proud, selfish individuals. Everybody is drawn to somebody who is humble and meek. And usually you throw in the word kind with that. Proud people tend not to be kind. They tend to step on the little people all all around them. So there's huge benefits to the virtue of humility. And this quote, humility is the foundation of all other virtues. Proud people have no interest in this message. They don't need it. But humility is the foundation to you developing all the other 11 virtues that we're going to be talking about. Humility, number one. Number two, honesty. Definition of honesty, fairness and straightforwardness of conduct, adherence to the facts. I love this quote, an honest man's the noblest work of God. I don't know if that's entirely true, that you can say that's the noblest work of God, but it's got to rank up there. It's got to rank way up there. Romans 12, 17. Recompense no man for evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. In 1 Peter 2, 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works or your honesty, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Have you ever thought about the benefits of honesty? Honesty builds trust and is necessary for healthy relationships. Oftentimes, marriages are destroyed by dishonesty. One one of the things that I, I teach in my marriage coaching classes is that a husband can do something wrong, or the wife, you know, she asks him to take the pie out in 15 minutes, and it's only when the oven is aflame that he remembers to take the pie out. Well, you know, next week you might not remember that. You know, what 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 happened? Oh, didn't you burn something? But to let that husband lie to his wife, ten years later she'll remember that lie. That's the nature of the severity of the sin. Because it destroys relationships. Because relationships are built on trust. Honesty builds trust. Honesty allows for a clear conscience and a peace of mind. 
What a great blessing to lay your head on your pillow at night with a clear conscience. And honesty is necessary for self-improvement. That's kind of related to the pride thing. I mean, honesty is necessary. for If you're not honest about yourself and, and honest about your weaknesses and your shortcomings and your sins, if you're not honest about yourself, you're not going to take the necessary steps to work on those problems and improve yourself. I like this quote. To make your children capable of honesty is the beginning of education. So humility, honesty, and related to that, number three, integrity. The definition of integrity. Firm adherence to a code of especially moral values. I love this quote. Integrity is choosing your thoughts and actions based on values rather than personal gain. Proverbs 27 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. I deal with a lot of grown adults, as I said a while ago, who were hurt as children, and they're paying for it, oftentimes for a lifetime. I love this Bible example of integrity. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, on the screen behind me, And Samuel, he's the prophet, said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice and all that you said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day, he says to the people. Behold, he continues to say, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and he is anointed, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. What a testimony. And that's a man they could trust. That is a man who had influence with them. Because he had family values, if you will, or virtues. What's the benefits of integrity? Integrity gives you confidence. You know that you're standing for the truth. You know that you have nothing to hide. Integrity increases your influence. When a politician is caught in a lie, when a politician is caught in an immoral relationship, you just don't listen to him anymore. But, but a man that you think has integrity, you will listen to. He will influence you in a positive way. And integrity keeps you on the right track. Here's a great quote, parents. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of you. And you know what? I'm honored to say that I can say that of my mom and of my dad. I think of those qualities, I think of them. Never heard of my dad lying, never heard of my dad calling in sick when he wasn't. 
Never heard of him trying to take advantage of anybody when he was selling something. Just open and honest about it. And I have benefited from that kind of... Not that I'm perfect, and not that he was perfect, but he was a good man. Very quickly, how do you develop family values and virtues? Real quick, listen fast. Number one, mom and dad must have an appreciation for virtue. Mom and dad, you've got to understand the value of it. You've got to see value in it. They must understand that virtue is biblical. They must understand that virtue is God-honoring. You must, first of all, value the idea of virtue. Number two, mom and dad must teach virtue. Consciously teach it. They must spend both quality and quantity time with their children. If you're not with them, you can't be teaching them. And they must look for teachable moments with their children. Look for those teachable moments. When your child sees another child being punished for doing something wrong, you're explaining to your child what he did wrong. Or when your child sees somebody rewarded for doing good, you use that as a teachable moment to teach your child why that child is being rewarded for doing good. Mom and dad must have an appreciation for virtue. They must have teach virtue. And then thirdly, mom and dad must model virtue. Set a daily example of doing the right and honorable thing. And you're not going to be perfect all the time. We're human. We're sinners. So number two, apologize when you do falter or fail. You say, well, my kids will be ashamed of me. They, they, they won't forgive me. Oh, yes, they'll think more of you. If when you do on occasion, and hopefully it's rare, but when it does happen, when you do acknowledge your kids, I, I was, dad was wrong, mom was wrong, that's the right thing to do. The home is the chief school of human virtues. I can tell you this. In our public education system and entertainment and from liberals out there, they're not going to learn virtue. I heard an attorney on some news program the other day, and this is so sad. It's true in law and it's true in politics today. The, The issue isn't It's never debated who is right, he said. What matters only is who wins. Do you understand the significance of that and where we are? The liberal crowd out there, the the agnostics, the atheists, they don't care who's right. That is not the issue. They only care who wins and win at any cost. If you got to lie, if you got to... Do whatever. So, we're, we don't listen to the world. We're saved. That makes us a peculiar people, according to the Bible. Some in this room are really peculiar people, but that's another lesson for another, another day. No, we're different. I don't want my children or my grandchildren to get their greatest influence from Hollywood or from any unsaved athlete. I want them to get it from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt 
shall talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Humility, honesty, integrity. May that define the individuals and the families in this room, whether the world likes it or not. Whether they put us down for it or not. Whether they are suspicious of our motives or not. As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.